Well, we went over Group A in the last episode, and today we're going to go over Group B of the EHF Champions League men. But I'm joined, of course, by Chris O'Reilly and Alex Kulesh today to give our midterm grades to all of the teams in Group B. Are you ready, boys? Hello, Brian Campion. Yes, uh, I'm ready. Let's do it. Alex, you feeling good today? Yeah, feeling good. I, I really enjoyed our last chat on Group A, so I think Group B is even more interesting. It has a real divide of opinions or divide of performances. And of course, we will also have a guest on this podcast. Uh, we'll be joined by Oliver Jurgensen, uh, who is a handball journalist and an expert in Danish handball to speak about a team that uh, maybe hasn't impressed us too much and uh, we'll go through some of the Danish teams in the group but will you just kick off does anyone feel like we're cheating on Rasmus <laughs> Rasmus we love you too it's just uh, you know we you gotta spread the love gotta spread the love we spread the love yeah exactly just like uh, <laughs> just like yeah uh, the Danish national team will next month spreading the love with all their amazing players. We're spreading the love with the handball journalists as well in Denmark. But yes, let us start. Barca, top of Group B, A plus. <laughs> yeah, I think come on, I think probably the best team we've seen all season. Uh, their only real uh, hiccup was their draw against against Kiel, which they kind of then undid in the next game. And DKMM and Alexi Gomez are just absolute. Goal machines with 83 goals between them. I think it's just they're two, two men in the form of their lives. And that's just quite a, a thing to, to witness. And probably maybe an unsung hero of the Barca team and probably a guy who gave me gets a bit of a, a not a bad, I would say a bad rep, but maybe he doesn't get the reputation, the respect that he maybe deserves is Nguyen, who, uh, has never scored less than three goals in every game all season. So he's one of the most reliant goal scorers I think you could come across. And he's 39 goals in total. With uh, Elvin being his best game with eight, but so yeah, A plus. I agree with you, Chris. I can't uh, say anything more. I don't think I, I I gave him an A just because uh, of that draw against Kiel. I was a bit harsh on them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a, a perfect record gets you an A plus. It's, it's, yeah, it's like an A and a half a plus for me. Uh, they're incredible, and for me, uh, Dikamem has just been unbelievable this season. And I've you know. I'm a bit of a DKMM hater in, in in the past. I'm always expecting more from him, uh, but he is just doing it. He's become the absolute man for Barcelona, and it showed in that game against Alborn, where he, for some reason, he sat for the first twenty minutes. Good decision by, Orte- by Ortega because he came in and scored nine goals, absolutely ripped apart Alborn, and he's just been incredible. The reason I gave him A plus is because. We compare it to last season when they came in as as reigning champions and stumbled a little bit at the beginning, or, or like stumbled. They they weren't going at full speed. Uh, they weren't. They were still finding their way. And then towards the end of the group phase, they they were like, okay, everything's clicked now. Uh, so you could have forgiven them if it was the same again this time. Uh, also with the the big question mark of the the left back, which as Brian mentioned, they you know doesn't seem to be much of a question mark anymore. Also with the introduction of Jonathan Carlsbergard, it's another kind of like stable head in there. Langaro is still producing the goods and Engeson is is the main man there. I, I just like what the, how they're operating this year. They've added new strings to the bow. You know, I have Blas Jans coming in as a playmaker sometimes when necessary now. Domin Makuts had uh, like his breakthrough game a few weeks ago against Kiel. Just everything seems to be going well. I mean, they just need... Melvin Richardson to have a, two, a couple of amazing games and then it's like okay everybody's really in this season uh Luis Friday maybe he's the only one I haven't been <laughs> impressed with uh, he's just an absolute nut job still <laughs> Mr. Red, Mr. <laughs> he is absolutely it's ludicrous um but yeah overall it I think it's like a very 
looking very good for them. And Emil Nielsen has uh, just <laughs> like in one position where they were like, oh, maybe relying a bit too much on Perez de Vargas. And now they have Nielsen in there, which I think has just elevated Perez de Vargas. So yeah, all good. All good news for them. Yeah, Alex, what you said there as well was interesting because I think we have talked about DKMM, but uh, seasons gone by and been maybe overly harsh on them as a collective. And it's, it's hard to forget also that he's only 25 still. And that like, mm. when you think of someone like Alex Dushabayev, who you kind of put them in the same, in your head, in my head anyway, in the same kind of category, Alex Dushabayev is 29. So he still has a good few years on him still and a lot more years left in the tank. And I think probably it's a lot of credit to his game that we kind of, you see his potential and you just expected more from when he was 22, 23. But I mean, he's really coming into his own now. So it's uh, quite terrifying as well. I think yeah, uh, to see him and like uh, still only at 25 and just absolutely crushing it now. So, so yeah, I, so, I said Alex Dushabayev there, so maybe that's a good segue into our next team. The uh, mm. second in Group B would be Kielsa. Uh, maybe Alex, do you want to start with this one since you're the the Kielsa expert on the pod? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, sure, I am. So Kielsa have disappointed me a little bit, a little bit. Just because you just you expect them to at least beat Barca once. You, that's what you want for them to have this like perfect season. We know how good they are. They have still torn teams apart. Every other team except for Barcelona twice, where they've lost. Um, and you know that's the team that they have to beat. That's the team that they have to figure it out against. <laughs> Uh, they, you mean they lost to them in the uh, the Super Globe? Are you counting that? Only once in the Champions League. Yeah, that's fine. Super Globe's improved over the years. That's kind of important. Eh? <laughs> it is important. <laughs> it is important. <laughs> it's still, it doesn't matter if it's the Super Globe, but it's Barca and Kielsa playing. They're gonna, yeah, exactly. It's going to be important. But um, for me, uh, what else about Kielsa? Primarily their new signings, I'm still unsure of about uh, Remili. He has been injured. He has shown glimpses, but I don't really see what his role in that team is. He's, you know, he is their big signing. He's a big player coming in. Alex Dushbayev said, you know, bring me this guy and we'll win the Champions League. I don't see that yet. They have to figure it out. That's my kind of big question mark around them. And then on the positive note, Andy Wolf has just been epic. I I really like seeing Andy Wolf back to his best form, and uh, I think he's really driven them as well. It's taken a while as well, and we kind of have waited for that Andy Wolf to to turn up in Kiazza because I remember when when was that after some game that he was hung out to dry by Dushabayev? I think it was a, the season before last, or was it last season? Um, so he's obviously been through a lot in terms of the psych- psychological side of things and not performing for. For Kielsa, but it is great to see him now being the the big bad wolf. But when you talked about Remily there, I think it's probably fair to say that whole French trio of Nahi, Remily, and Tuna really haven't crushed it as much maybe as they should be, given their their reputation and their ability. But Nahi's at nineteen, Remily twenty one, Tuna twenty five. I think that's probably an area where they could maybe be asking for those players for a bit a bit more from them i think for nahi has uh impressed me this season i think he's cut out a little bit of the unnecessary showmanship or a, a little bit of shithousery he's kind of cut out of his game or limited it a little bit um because that you know he used to his shooting percentage just wasn't good enough in pre- previous seasons because he'd always just do something extra, have a fake and a second fake and have the arm down or have it up. And it was all just a bit much. He's been a bit more consistent. So I've liked that. And he's really, really good defensively. Um, so I've liked, and uh, I, yeah, the others, um, players that you mentioned. Yeah. You, there, there's still more potential there. Tornado looked really good against, uh, and this is recency bias because I saw him against Seged uh, a few days ago, but he was really good in that game. And uh, he, had a great performance, and in comparison to Karolek, he he's shown. Yeah, big uh, downside for Kielce also is the the injury to Harker Thrusterson, which is a real pity. Yeah, not just for him because it was devastating, but also because he was finally coming into some form, finally looked strong, and then that horrible knee injury out of nothing, uh, and that's just the worst thing. And I think we mentioned it. Brian and I were there in person. 
like the the reaction from the bench said it all like there were players in tears you know that really really hurt them deeply um so they do have olenichak in there as well elliot stainmalm has finally come into the team so that they're well covered there but that was a that was a real blow uh, for a player who could be uh, could develop into a difference maker. I've still given I've given Kielce an A because they have lost that game really early in the season against Barca. Since then, they've been amazing, and uh, they have come through some tough games like the or like surprisingly tough games like the two against Elverum, where they haven't been at their best, but they've still come up with the goods. That's something they didn't do so much in the past. I mean, you're, we're used to seeing, a bit like Vesprem, we're used to seeing Kielce lose random games like that. They're not that team anymore. They are a bit more solid overall. Uh, and that's what I like about them. Uh, do we all give our scores? I think, yeah, I gave Kielce I, I, then. I, I, gave, I gave them a B plus. So still, still B really plus. good, but uh, B plus mm, for me. Yeah. I gave them an A minus. And Chris, you gave them an A? Was it? A straight. A straight. Yeah, yes. that's okay. it. Yeah. Good then. Uh, I think then Nantes are up next. I think uh, I'll, I'll just say what I gave them straight away. I gave them a, a, a B plus. I think same here. They, same here, uh, Alex. Oh, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we all agree in one. Exactly. Hey, good. Uh, it only took eleven teams. <laughs> yeah, very exciting uh, young team, and I think they've. It's good to see Nantes kind of putting that kind of the patch behind them where they kind of drifted off a little bit and they now seem to be back playing uh, the the style of handball that we all that we all love to watch I think especially their left back position with Brie and Cavacanchi I think has been unexpected your your your, your favourite T-Bolt Briette <laughs> yeah <sighs> I did have to think about that when I was uh, preparing for this. <laughs> just, to be, just to be really sure, I actually Googled it and put it into YouTube just to listen to it so I wouldn't say it wrong again. But yeah, thanks. Right, give, us, give, it, give, us, give us it again there, Brian. Give us your smoothest French accent then. Okay, what is that? See, seeing as you studied it. De Ah, That's very good. Lovely. <laughs> but yeah, I think Brie is, uh, especially defensively, he has been an absolute rock for them. I think he'll be really crucial for France. Um, in the World Championship, uh, it, it's it's been great to see him kind of mature as a player because he was a little he was a little bit like a baby giraffe in the early years where you know he couldn't quite control his limbs. He has a bit more power and direction um, this year, and I think they've um, enjoyed that as a team. And they're doing you know they've got two victories against Albor and a win against Kiel. These are that win against Kiel, especially 38-30, was so impressive. And they're doing it all without arguably their best player, Emerick Mean, who's been injured for um, the last kind of month and a half. Um, so they have another gear to go. Yeah, looking at the, if you get the whole team in there, then it's it's really, really impressive. And I hope for their sake that they do have the full team together for the knockout rounds. They if they finish in third place in this group, which they're set to do at the moment, they could really make a run for it because we also know, at least kind of historically, how good they are in the knockout rounds. I mean, Nantes are just made for the knockout Champions League handball. They're kind of not always at their best in the group phase, which is, again, something they fixed this time. But when it comes out to the knockout rounds, they, they manage to pull it together. And yeah, I just really like the look of the team. They've had a bit of a regeneration as well. You look at some of the players that have come in. You mentioned Brie, who's uh, stepped up a little bit. They've brought in Caoldi Odrizola as well on the right wing. Like him and Pedro Botella are a good uh, good combination in there. Linus Persson uh, as the right back, I think, is a, you know, a great guy to have in there. And if you have Mean and Rock Ovnicek in there, the two of them together, it's a, it's a devastating group. Jeremy Toto on the line. Theo Monar as well. We haven't really seen he, much of him he's yet. He's taken a step right? back, I think. Yeah. Um, I, and that, that does speak to how well Jeremy Toto has, has performed. He's come in from Vardar. Um, he's a very good defensive player as well. So Toto and uh, Brie have been a really good defensive block. Um, and, uh, you know, Theo Monar is, is very young. Uh, he'll have his moments to shine. But the that extra bit of solidity at that line position... Um, you know, Ruben Marchand really, you know, they brought him in to be that player. 
and he really didn't kind of step up to it. He uh, he seems a little bit out of his depth at the highest level. You know, he can do he he can play an attack fairly well, um, but Jeremy Toto has been great, and they just replaced one incredible Scandinavian goalkeeper with another incredible Nordic goalkeeper. Uh, Victor Hagrimson has been an absolute star. Yeah, he's a great signing for them. And already, I think, <laughs> other teams looking to to get him. Uh, like, I think Kiel have, were thinking of trying to snatch him. But uh, he's got a contract. He's going nowhere. And uh, yeah, him and Pesic are a good duo to have. The game they lost against uh, Kiel last week, by the way, uh, neither of them were there. So they were in their third and fourth choice goalkeepers and still didn't lose by that much. So, yeah, hopefully it's nothing long-term for Pesic or Halgrimson. But, uh, yeah, they've got depth in there, even if uh, even if those two aren't uh, available, which is very... It's very Nantes as well. We need some players who don't have their names in the back of the jersey <laughs> to uh, to show up this year as well. That's, uh, that's a real sign of a Nantes uh, run in the Champions League for me. So, all B-pluses. All B-pluses. All B-pluses. And they're, they're, they're just so much fun. You know, the arena, the atmosphere around the club, the band, everything is just just fun. So uh, I'm always a pleasure to have them in the Champions League. I haven't been there uh, in a couple of seasons because they weren't in the Champions League last season. But going there on Thursday for Nantes versus Barca, that's going to be a great time. Excited. Really exciting. All right, Kiel. Kiel. Absolute rubbish. Really annoyed me. Uh Shite team, shite club. Uh, let's move on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Yeha just needs to. <laughs> oh god. Well, we're recording. We're recording this as probably Kiel are going to go top of the Bundesliga. I'm talking about Champions League now. Champions League. which is why, yeah, which is what is so remarkable, like the the Bundesliga Kiel and Champions League Kiel. But yeah, focusing on Champions League Kiel. They've they've lost a lot of games. <laughs> they just what are they doing? Losing all these games? How? I made these notes before the last game because when we originally wanted to record this episode, it was meant to be before the game on the 8th of December. And I just, my own, I have notes for every single team and the only note I have for Kiel is just D plus rubbish and then nothing else. So uh, (laughs) I think they just, I don't know, somehow just rubbed me up the wrong way when you can see them playing so well in the Bundesliga and then they just have these really uh, random results. And that just before their, their win over uh, non 37-33 uh, in their last game they obviously then lost to Barca drew with Barca uh, drew at Alborg uh, and lost to Nantes by 8 uh, then lost to Kielsa before that so just that run of games there I think really influenced my my uh, D plus uh, with the now win over Nantes maybe they'll move up to uh, C minus I think what do you guys think? So I I had D plus as well, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, it's maybe a little bit harsh. Um, they are missing the best player in the world, Sander Sagerson, who just came back. You know that you can't really ignore that. Um, and it is—it's just that disappointment that you said. Kind of, they should just be better in the Champions League. But there, there's been a lot of players that have impressed me, um, primarily Eric Johansson, who has been injured. Hopefully he's back for a world championship. But Eric Johansson has been kind of my revelation of the season for watching him just be an absolute superstar, step into that gap that Sander Sagerson left, and just take over games. He has fifty nine goals in the Champions League so far, and he missed um, a game or two in there. He's yeah, you know, he's just. Is this combination of power, size, and smart play? He re- he really reminds me of like a kind of Karabatic, um, which is a player that you don't see as much these days. You know, the players that are just kind of really dynamic, but also have the size and can shoot over, but they don't necessarily. They're not shooters, but they can be both um, and playmakers. Yiha is another example where it's not like pure shooter; it's all about dynamism. And I think uh, Eric Johansson has that. And yeah, he's just been amazing. Yeah, it's similar to Karabatic as well. He's not a guy who's afraid to really put his body on the line when it comes to like just getting that goal. And that's very much like what Yika and uh, Karabatic used to do. And I think he just looks like a, 
another level above the player that we saw last season for Elverham. And I remember at the start of the season, I went to the first match of the week. They were talking about him, some of the owners of Kiel, of Kiel, of Kiel about that this guy is going to be the next big thing in handball. So they were put all their chips behind him and they really tr- they really believe in him. And that's why they signed him because they think this guy could be Sagerson 2.0. Mm. Yeah. And, sorry, it, thir- 30 goals in the Champions League. I got that wrong. <laughs> I think the the fifty odd has come in the, in the Bundesliga, Bundesliga yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, he's he has been phenomenal, uh, and hopefully they'll have him back. Like I think him, I want to see him and Sagerson together for a while because it's not gonna it's not gonna last for long. So we may as well enjoy it, uh, enjoy the two of them together. I think what is they've they have been deceptively bad because they have been so close to being good on occasions in this uh in the group phase you know the draw against barca they came back and basically had that victory in their pocket and then a week later in barcelona they were for 53 minutes were the better team and then lost it uh with you know uh, perez of argos and uh, makuts basically saving the day for barca so they if imagine doing the double they were this like they were this close to doing the double over Barca end up with one point instead of four we'd be having a completely different conversation um so yeah I don't think there is that much of a difference between the level that they're doing in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League but the just the results aren't showing uh I gave them a C minus I was between a C and a C minus you you also go for a C minus now Brian yeah I'll switch to C minus it won't be so harsh I'll stay. I'll stay with D plus because again, we're talking about Kiel here. We're not talking about any other club here. This they should be like Barca, you know. Judge if Barca had a season like this, like Kiel are having in the Champions League, we'd be extremely harsh. So that's where true. Kiel yeah, true. should be. True. Yeah, and it's like yeah, you know, Sagerson is back now. Pekeler is back. Another great bit of news for them. But as soon as those that that good news comes, then they lose uh, Stefan Vine. They lose Stefan Weinhold, and then they lose uh, Johansson. So it uh, nothing ever seems to be perfect for them. But maybe that'll come later in the season. That's Kiel, and we're halfway through the group. To move on to Alborg now, and to do that, uh, we're going to bring in Oliver Praven Jurgensen to talk to us. Welcome, Oliver Jurgensen, handball journalist and expert in all things Denmark. Today, uh, we're going to speak to you uh, a little bit about Allboard. So we've we've gone through an exercise where we've looked at every every team, um, and one of them stood out, but maybe not in a very positive way. But how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Nice to uh, nice to be in this podcast. That team, of course, that uh, we're talking about is Albor, a team kind of full of hopes, uh, signing Mikkel Hansen, rising, you know, big hopes of a Champions League win, everything. But the season hasn't quite panned out exactly like it was planned. Um, losses in the Danish league and quite a few losses in the Champions League. What what has been your impression of the team so far? Uh, obviously, they they need needed some time to to settle in with Mikkel uh, in the team. He, he joined with an injury, uh, took a little bit of of time, but um, he actually started pretty great uh, after his injury, and now the last month or so. Uh, they've been in a little bit of a crisis uh, playing-wise, especially defensively. I think uh, they have lacked a lot. Um, I think it, it, there's there's quite a few things uh, offensively. Uh, when when Felix Klein is not as at his very best, uh, they need they they lack pace, uh, they lack timing. I don't think Pelmas and 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 Miguel has been. Uh, that's good when being uh, being on at the same time. Defensively, then I think the uh, the structure they they need uh, they need more uh, composure. Uh, they they lose too many duels and yeah. Uh, so there's a lot actually uh, uh, right now for uh, that's not at its at its very best. 
Is this kind of in any way what you expected to see from the team this season? Because it was always, you know, with, with Miguel coming in, they were going to play in a different style and they were going to have to to change the, the way the, the, the team basically operates, like in sharing the time as well. Like the introduction of, of Miguel alongside Aaron was going to mean less time for the likes of, of Felix. Um, but has that had more of a negative impact uh, the transition into this uh, new way of playing than you expected? I actually thought it would it would go quite easy uh, with with Miguel and Felix because he he needs that type of playmaker uh, next to him, and I actually think they they've played okay together, but with Palmerson and Miguel, uh, they they lack uh, the, the 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 timing and and uh, the playmaking ability. Uh, to set each other up in the right positions. Uh, so I don't know if it's anything less than what I've expected. I still think it can be going to be really good, but they really need Kla in there. Uh, and I think Megan needs Kla. When you think about when Albor kind of came bursting onto the international scene and doing really well in the Champions League, I think it's probably fair to say that they had a lot of players that a lot of people in other countries didn't really know about and they kind of became these bigger names as they went on. So the club like was kind of based around the mentality was having this really good team of players and it was very sometimes very hard to pick out really stars, but Clark kind of made his name like that. And then you bring in two of the biggest names in handball in and all of a sudden maybe the dynamic of the team changes a lot because you've gone from a team of nobodies, which not, they're not nobodies now, but they were maybe a few years ago. And then you bring in these massive names. And does it kind of shift maybe how things are a bit on the court when you have players there kind of expect certain things to go their way or maybe expect to be treated a certain way in the team? I don't know. That's difficult to say. I mean, it's the mentality they like themselves. Uh, they like to put themselves uh, in the group of, of teams in the in the top uh, and they're not shy to, to say that. They want to be uh, in the final four every every single year now. But on the on the court, I, I think that it's it's difficult to put a guy like Miguel in a team with guys like Santel and Kla, who's been playing almost 60 minutes for the last two or three seasons together. Mm. So it, it, it takes time. And I think we have to be a little bit more, uh, what do you say? Um, patience because uh, it's still only three, four months. I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a lot better. Uh, yeah, after Christmas. And so, so what would be some of the keys that you see where they can improve in that last game against Barcelona uh, in the Champions League? Actually, Hansen didn't play that much. <laughs> that was an interesting uh, turn uh, where. Uh, they they went with Palmerson and Clare primarily, but are there other areas where you see an improvement needs to be made? Yeah, defensively, I think that's the biggest problem. They they've actually adjusted pretty well to to the pace in the games uh, against Barca. I actually think they controlled the pace uh, really well, and it wasn't if it if it wasn't for Peter Stivagas, I think it could have ended up uh, differently. Um, but with the pace being being that high, they have some some defensive players. They they need to get in, and right now I think maybe Mulko and Thompson they haven't been at their best. And I think it's quite fair to say, even though Agerfors and Gell has been decent in goal, they they don't have the the same level in goal as the best three four five teams in Europe. There's still a long way to go in this group phase, though. I think the that's it's a key thing to look at, and particularly in this this group, there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of teams dropping points, and there is you know still an opportunity you know, at least to finish in the top four if things go their way. Uh, so looking at maybe more of the positive side of things, uh, there's the likes of Mads Hoxers come into the team, and has at times looked really really good. Uh, I think also really. Uh, Great talent for the the right hand side for Denmark as well. Uh, what do you think of his introduction into the team and and any other areas of the of the Alborg team that you you think is actually positive or promising? I think he's been excellent, Masaksa, and and he fits very well with uh, with Klein Mikkel because he has the ability to to threaten the outside of the two. Uh, 
and uh, and he's also great at the at his passing ability, which Mikkel also needs to have players with great intelligence when it comes to passing. Uh, so really great for Alba getting Mass in, and it's going to be really really good. I think next year also with Arnolds coming in. Um, so again. Maybe we can call it a little bit of a crisis the last month, uh, also with the defeats in the Danish league. But I think it's—I think they're actually taking it. You know, they're calm about it because it's still really, really early. And with the structure in the Champions League, it doesn't matter really if you end up fourth or five. They know that it takes time, uh, and and they're using every single match right now to to figure out what role is Mikkel Hansen going to get. Um, because right now, as you say, and we saw it against Barca, he's not the first violin at that left back. Uh, and I think they're, they're trying to figure out what role he's, he's going to get. So no panic for in Albrecht so far. Uh, something we've been doing in this episode is we've been giving all the teams uh, a grade from A to F. And maybe just up until this point, maybe you could give your grade and see what you... Mm. Uh, we won't tell you what we we won't tell you what our grades are just yet, but maybe you could give us your one. So A being the best, and you can give A plus, A minus if you want to, and then F being an absolute disaster. I don't think you'd be giving them F. Now, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> okay, uh, so as I said, no panic and losing to Kiel and Basel. That's especially in the group phase. That's not a disaster at all. But the two matches against Nantes, uh, that takes a beating, also grade wise. So I don't know, B maybe C minus, um, but it's it's around there because obviously two defeats against Nantes you can't get a top grade and I think they were hoping for or at least aiming for top two before the season. Now it's yeah top four at best I think. So uh, obviously it, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been great at all, but. As I said, I think it's gonna they're gonna they're gonna come through for sure, and and I think it's gonna be a, a different all ball team we're gonna see uh, in in twenty twenty three. So lo- lots of confidence there, and another team that's actually shown a lot of confidence in this competition so far has been Gay Gay, uh, which we have been very pleasantly um, surprised by. Uh, I think their style of play is fantastic. They have some absolute gems and. I think we discussed it in the last episode, but we, you know, for us it was a surprise because they basically lost all of their best players last summer and managed to kind of get it back up and going. Have they surprised you this year? <laughs> I can't say they surprised me anymore because I've done that, this in the last three, four, <laughs> five years, losing their best players and then they just invent new players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Obviously, you always think a team's going to take a beating when you lose the, your best players. But God, it's just GG. They're just special because their talent uh, fabric is just amazing. And every time they they lose a great player to, to the Bundesliga or anywhere else, a new talent uh, just appears out of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, and you see this year with, uh, obviously, Pütlik has been absolutely amazing. Uh, Emil Madsen, the same, um, but also Lucas Janssen. You see him come in when Bagendale uh, leaves. It's just been amazing. Uh, and that's that's just how they've been operating under Nikolai Krikow. Uh, he always seems to manage to, to fill the holes. What really impresses me about them is the the kind of fearlessness that we saw from them in the European League as well. You know, last season watching in the European League, you, you know you're going to see you know, in the high 30s, maybe even 40 goals from both teams because they're just, that's the way they were playing. And and they're much the same this time, kind of in a, like the fearlessness we saw from Alborg a couple of seasons ago when there was less um, expectation on the team. Uh, do you, it seems like the best way for them to, to manage uh, this group phase, but how far do you think this style of play can actually take them? I don't know because I don't see them having the, the the top level or the ability to to compete against top five, six, seven uh, in Europe over the course of two games. 
Um, but they can beat every single team in Europe in one game if they if they hit it right. Um, and especially when the, with that type of playing, when you keep running and running in 60 minutes, some teams are going to be overwhelmed. Uh, and, and they don't care if they concede 35 or 38 goals. They just want to score one more. So that's the style. And... <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to watch, but I think they lack a little, maybe five ten percent in a few important positions to to really really threaten the top top teams. Just worth bearing in mind that uh, they could end up if you mention Alborg being a top four team and Geogi in where they are right now, they could be playing each other in the la- in the playoff round. So. That's uh, also something to keep an eye on as we as we look forward uh, to. Yeah, the, we hope not. We hope not. We talked about them extensively on our our last episode, and just to give you an idea of the grades that we gave them, I gave them a, a B minus. Uh, Alex gave them a B B plus, and then Chris gave a, a B straight. Um, where would you put them? Gave it going on the expectations you had coming into the season, losing all the great players and having such a young team. I think it kind of pushed it up a lot for us, but we gave them. I mean, overall, a B. Where would you put them? Around there as well, because, and you know, I think top three in that group is also quite settled with PSG, Vesprem, and, uh, and Magdeburg. But they, mm-hmm. I think they, they could be aiming for fourth uh, with Dynamo right there. Um, but that would be, that would be great. Uh, and I think uh, the fifth position in the group, that's where I think they should be. And I think uh, that's where uh, probably where they will end up. So, yeah, B minus B. I think that's a, that's a fair grade. Like looking forward for this club for Gay How you know? Do you expect another turnover, or is there some sort of plan to keep this team together for a little bit longer? Because you know they're you know. Uh, Putlik and Madsen, you know, they're they're ready to be snapped up by the Bundesliga. But do you think they will allow that or try to keep it together for a couple more years? Uh, well, Morten Olsen's contract is is, is uh, expiring after this season. Although he really doesn't look like a, a guy who's supposed to 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 stop right now. Uh, he's been really really good. Uh, from what I hear, uh, Putlik could be on his on his way. To the Bundesliga already next season, although he has a contract 2025. Um, so I think it's going to be difficult for them to keep the guys together. Um, and and if they don't, it's going to be really difficult because Putlik and and Morten Olsen they've been the core in the backcourt for the last two three seasons. But again, it's GOG. That's what they do. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know what to expect other than they're always going to find some uh, some new young guys. Before we let you go then for the afternoon, uh, it's just after we're recording out, just after we saw uh, Magdeburg beat uh, Berlin. I believe you were watching that game as well. And uh, that was a bit of a, a an important game uh, for Danish players as well. Now that we're exactly one month away from the World Championship, I guess everyone in Denmark is watching these games and hoping there's no more injuries uh, as well as them playing well. Uh, big news there is uh, Matthias Giesel is back and... Uh, you know, he looked like uh, he looked like he had no fear in him. He looked like he was pretty pretty healthy. Also, extended his contract with Berlin until twenty twenty eight, which is quite ludicrous. Uh, what do you make of that and and uh, the state of the the Danish players now leading up to the World Championship next month? I think they all well. Let me start with Kiesel. Uh, yeah, I think it's ludicrous as well because in handball, you, you obviously you, you don't sign players when they have a contract. So he seems locked in now in Berlin, Berlin for the next what five six years. Um, with that being said, I think it's a great team uh, to be in right now, and I think they're looking very exciting, and they can be uh, contenders for the Bundesliga title the next few years. So I think it's a good place for Gisel to be, um, and for the rest of the guys, I think they all look in good shape coming into the. The championship in January, um, maybe with Mikkel Hansen being the biggest question mark right now. Where is where is he? Uh, but with Gisel back, uh, Jakob Larsen playing very very great in in Hamburg and Putlik being that good in GOG, Lauge being excellent in Westbrook. I think 
they have the team. Uh, everyone, everyone looks strong. I would say let's throw Hoxer in there, uh, the second right back. Let's make him a bolter. What do you think? I would like to see him uh, in the squad, but I think it's going to be Lassen. I think uh, Nibla Jakobsen uh, seems to to have him a little bit higher, and also he he complements Gisel uh, quite well. Uh, and his level in Hamburg has been really good. Maybe a little, little bit of an, an underrated player, actually, Jakob Lassen. But uh, yeah, it would be absurd to think of a player with Max Max's level not to be in a championship. But mm. yeah, a few years back we didn't we didn't have any great right backs in Denmark. Now we have four or five. So I think it's a luxury problem. Yeah, good problem to have. All right, then Oliver Breben Jorgensen, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you guys. Uh, hopefully, see you at the World Championship the next month. Yeah, <laughs> see you guys. Thank you to Oliver. So he was saying, what, around a, a, a C, C minus, he said. He was floating around for Alborg, said B, first of all, then settled on C minus. Uh, I gave them a D plus. I gave them a C minus as well. Um, I give them a C, yeah, C minus two. There's, it's something weird with Alborg, and like Oliver was very confident about them going into the season, and that, I, that's one thing I just can't put my finger on. I can't really put my finger on why they've been quite that bad because when you look at them, they play really good handball. They're just they're not finishing games. So um, let's see how the season unfolds for them. If you were in charge in Alborg, would you sign Mikkel Hansen? Yeah, because he's the big show. He, you know, he's going to fill arenas around the country. He's going to fill arenas throughout the season. People are going to come to watch him. So that's, I think that's why they signed him. Yeah. Is it a bit like the Ronaldo situation? Not as bad, obviously, but something like that in terms of like, they find it hard. What, what's his role going to be? What's he going to do? Does he really fit the style of the team? But then he'll score you a pile of goals on his own and he'll score every penalty you give him almost. Yeah. But not against not against except, Paris Vargas, but. except against Paris <laughs> Vargas, who just completely emasculated him. I, d- yeah. I don't know how Michael Hansen's mm. going to come back now. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> that that penalty save was just ridiculous. Like Paris Vargas is is not big for a goalkeeper, but and he and he lowered himself and just spread his arms out. He's like, here you go. It was kind of like, yeah, shoot this here, hand. shoot this hand here, shoot yeah, this hand on. as hard yeah. as you can. <laughs> it was uh, it was remarkable. Hansen uh, is not living in Alborg, is he? Um, is he in Copenhagen? I, I, I think he's in Copenhagen because when I was in Alborg the other week for the game against Nantes, uh, I stayed in a kind of an artsy hotel and uh, I guess who was there at breakfast? Miguel Hansen. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a classic Miguel having... Hansen, artsy hotel. Bringing yeah, over his like, French art from uh, from Paris, <laughs> showing it off. I don't want to say which hotel it is because you know I want to respect his privacy. You know, the, all the all our Danish fans would be heading over to the X hotel uh, to to meet him at breakfast every day. Then, but I, I did find it interesting that he's that he is staying in a hotel, and I'm just wondering, like, is he is he commuting over? Denmark's not the biggest country in the world, right? He can he can drive for a couple of hours, but. Yeah, he's not actually there. Is there any chance that he he lives in Alborg, but he just likes the breakfast in that hotel? <laughs> it, it was good breakfast. Yeah. It was I was <laughs> it's really good breakfast. <laughs> Maybe he's just too lazy to to make his own breakfast anyway. Right. But no, I think I so I I'm uh, I think we're all pretty much in this boat. We prefer not to talk to people at breakfast in the morning, and if you can, you just sit there have your breakfast. And I was like, I'm not gonna. Nah. Not gonna engage. I'm not gonna engage with him here. This is not the time. I would engage with him anyway. And, <laughs> well, he's not gonna engage with you. So that's no, the, exactly. No. Yeah, true. I, I was, I was kind of, I was like, ah, I want to find out. Like, is he actually staying here? Then I did see him walk towards the rooms after breakfast. So I guess so. Just following. Yeah, there you go. Hiding behind a couch. Where is Michael Hansen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Michael Hansen in a hotel. But yeah, Zeged. Zeged. Um, what, what, what did you give Zeged, Brian? Uh, You've been to uh, Zeged. Zeged. A few Zeged games yeah. o- over the last uh, 
couple of months. Yeah, I mean, after the last game, uh, Zeged versus uh, Kielce, th- uh, I know s- some of the guys there who are involved in the, the the running of the club, and just them at the final whistle, their reaction was, and I think that's been kind of <laughs> the season so far for them. Uh, I gave them a D minus. I think they're really struggling, and the result of that has meant that a, the leg- a legend of the club in Pastor, the coach, is now leaving the club at the end of the season. And I think, um, yeah, it's it's a really, really, it's a really, really tough time. And then when I now look at the squad, compared to when I looked at the squad list maybe last season, somehow the names don't seem that good anymore. <laughs> and I know it sounds really strange to say that. What, but when do you, you look mean at, their top scorer, Kent Robin Tunnison, for some yeah, yeah, reason? Yeah, but like you look at Rasta, Sostaric, uh, Zita Zoltan, uh, Maskovchek, Martins, Gaber, Bodo, Tonneson. When you hear those names, is that is that really a team that's going to smash it in the Champions League? All of a sudden, I don't view them the same anymore as I did maybe a year and a half ago when I thought, oh, these guys, dark horse for the Final Four. Not a, not a chance to get to the Final Four this year. I loved how you said Zsitas uh, Zoltan in the Hungarian way, where they have the surname first. Yeah, just respect to the Very Hungarian good. listeners, you know. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's uh, in a full credit. You know, because I'm in their good box because I, I uh, was boosting the Hungarian national teams. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they were winning the games, right, and we look down at the tops, like the scorers list for the team, and you see that nine players, like the top nine scorers are all within 22 to 29 goals scored. You'd be like, oh, this team is spreading the ball so well. They're rotating. If this was Kielce or PSG, we'd be like lauding them for this. But they're just they're just all doing it, but not scoring enough. Yeah, but it's 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 more like, you know, being desperate. It, it feels like, oh, okay, here we go. Bodo, it's your turn to take a few shots. Let's see what you got. It's <laughs> the next one up, and like, and and they're just—it's uh, their style of play that really grates me um, these days. It's it's really, yeah, old school, and it's also, but it's—I wouldn't say only old school. They're also playing um, with this. It's almost like a seven on six attack, but they don't play seven on six. It's just super static, and you know we've seen Dan Bombach kind of work with that style for many years and is you know be good at times but they're just standing around getting the ball and taking a standing shot him and Miguel Martins are just taking turns to like move a player and then maybe something can happen but he has been injured for a lot of the season I think he's really crucial for that to work but it's just it's not nice to watch um which is a pity no, it's just, I just I noticed that when I was watching the the last game against Kelso when I was in the arena as well. It was just like I'll give the ball to um, Bombach and like he was just basically doing it on his, that whole. He would just a fake up and then drops his shoulder and tries to go past him, and that worked in the first half a few times. And then it was just him trying to do that again in the second half. And then the Kelso friend was like, "No," and they just and they just run into players. And it was a bit like that. Okay, yeah, I know he's amazing. Bombach can pull a goal out of nowhere. But it just seems a bit headless otherwise. If he's not going to do that, then it's just, yeah, as you said, Bodo, go take a random rocket shot there and see what happens. And yeah, it's not great because it's not at all like what they were like maybe a season and a half ago where they were just incredible to watch. And their defense, their, their defense is a shambles as well. It's this bloody, it's this bloody new arena. It's just ruined them, hasn't it? Like, you know, like just scrap it and go back to the old place. Like, you know, it's, it's the Arsenal curse. Like Arsenal moved to the Emirates, didn't work for them. They, you know, now it's working for them. Uh, what ten years later, uh, same seems to be happening with uh, Seged. Send them back to Highbury. You, you said like that's the center of defense should be. And you look at the size of the players they have, like Banhidi, Gaber, Rusta. Rusty can get, kind of forget a little bit. About it. I mean, he's good, probably better in attack. Uh, Bodo and Machkovshak, he's like he's a player who, if he's really working as he's supposed to in defense, then everything is working fine. And they should just play seven on six. I mean, have Martins and Bombach in there, Rusta and Banhidi on the line, even put Machkovshek on the line. <laughs> just like a big guy on the line. Because they need to do something. Like, I feel the, the wings are really wasted on this team. Like, Frimmel and Blonds on one side, uh, Radovojevic and Shostarich on the other side. They should be guys who are 
you know, really punishing teams with counterattacks. And then, you know, when it's not working in the center or with seven on six, like they play the ball out there. I mean, there's, there, I think they, they do have the tools needed to, to, to have a good season. It's just, it's really frustrating. I don't know why it's not working for them. Do you think it's fair to say um, that maybe their, their recruitment hasn't really actually been that good, that it looked kind of flashy on the surface, but then when you really boil it down, I mean, do you remember when they signed Tonneson and Martins and a few, there was someone else I think came together with them and every, it was, there were headlines everywhere about it and people were thinking, this is incredible. But now looking back at it, it doesn't seem like there were good signings at all, really. But yeah, D, <sighs> D minus uh, for me. Um, yeah, me too. D minus as well, all, yeah. All, all D minuses all around. Yeah, yeah okay. and I think yeah. their, their standing is maybe a little bit boosted by their last two results against Celia. Um, you know, they, they, they're really right at the bottom for for the majority of the season but Celia who are below them uh but have had a really fun season right <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean to be honest I thought I thought it was going to be a great season once they beat Kiel uh they haven't quite that was round two uh, they only got their second victory of the season last week against Elverham. So it was a long wait <laughs> until then. Uh, but I do enjoy watching them. Uh, Alex Fla is fantastic. They have Yo, exciting young players did, all where around. Where did Alex Fla come from? You know, he just appeared out of nowhere. He's not even that young. <laughs> no, he's, he's really not. I I don't know where he came from. Like, it's, it is something that Celia do not not to the same extent as Gheorghe but they are like players just happen to have a great season with them almost out of nowhere sometimes and uh, who was it a, a few seasons ago a player who's back with the squad now who's uh, a right back it's Jika uh, Mlakar he was that like four or five years ago remember he was top scorer kind of out of nowhere then he went uh, went to Płock and it all fell down from there mm. But, uh, yeah, I think they have exciting players in, in a, a few different positions. Um, Alex Vla is, is fantastic. He's, gonna, like, he's getting himself a contract to the Bundesliga next season. <laughs> That's almost certain. I mean, it, I it, that, Vesperm, that guy... I all over it, no? Ah, uh, no, it's he's Wetzlar. Wetzlar, I reckon. Or uh, Melsungen. <laughs> He's he's not good. He's not going. He's not good enough for Vesprem, but he he'll get himself a nice juicy contract in one of these Bundesliga teams. I just but I think he's Vesprem, and you never see him never see him playing that kind of that kind of deal left, you know. But it's something something yeah. very Andre Jralala about the whole thing, isn't it? About the way yeah. he's playing out of nowhere, just yeah. becoming top scorer because his best performance up until now was twenty goals, and then all of a sudden he's just absolutely smashing those records. Um, but he's got he's great great. Great movement on and off the ball, and uh, he can jump shoot, which is not something you see from Slovenians very often. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think he could be really huge for Slovenia uh, going into the World Championship, World Championship because yeah. they they always needed another shooter. Maškovsek mm-hmm. was the only player that could ever shoot on this Slovenian team, and he's never quite good enough. Now they have a guy who's in amazing form has just been a revelation and could kind of be a big solution to uh, Slovenia's struggles in the past. It's a big pity for them that they they lost uh, both games against Seged. Otherwise, they would have had some kind of chance of going through to the, the playoff round. I think that that's not going to happen for them. Um, I, I went for a D. D? Really? I, I went for C- because, uh, as, as you said, Alex, there were a lot of fun. They're a bit like, I don't know, your 14-year-old cousin with ADHD. You know, when they concentrate, they can pull a good performance out, but then they can go a bit wild and go on a 6-0 losing streak. And Alex Vlad just has been probably one of the highlights of the whole season. So um, I gave them a C- because I think they probably still have one or two more results in them. I gave them a B-, minus actually. Uh, just because... Oh. Oh my God. The variation I, I here think, is incredible. I think I was expecting <laughs> I was expecting four. zero points from Celia in this uh, season's Champions League, and you know you just got to give it up for that win against Kiel. That 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 gets it up to B minus. Yeah, a little bit disappointing, um, but you know an A for them would be being in fourth place. <laughs> so um, B minus for me. They're exciting. 
they probably don't have enough to get through. E for Alvarum. I gave them an F. I think they all need to be lined up and spanked uh, because I think the thing is, isn't as, it's not as bad as the results are shown here. And I think they still have some decent players in there. And I think they're just, ah, they're just, just, I don't know. They're annoying. You know, they, <laughs> I know they lost some of their great, the best players like in like Johansson and stuff like that, but they still have some decent players in there as well. And they're just so off the pace. It's just uh, incredible. I, I don't know what the club were thinking, not bringing in some stronger uh, names in. I think they kind of just felt like they could get by on what they had and it's, it hasn't worked out at all. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's one of these classic stories where, you know, Elverham had this kind of generation of players that they kind of grew with. The club kind of grew with them and they all came in and gradually they got picked off and you know they they might they're just they don't have enough to bring in someone big um so they have to kind of uh, bring in a second rate young player and try to develop them and maybe it's in this kind of in between stage but you know they they might lose the league to Colstad already um and we might not see them in the Champions League next year which is uh, uh would be a real disappointment but um, I think Tobias Grundahl has had some significant growing pains in this season's Champions League. He really came out as a star and he's had so much responsibility now as well. And maybe he's not quite ready for it. I think he has gotten better yeah, though from, in the last few games. Yeah. yeah. From, from November onwards, I think he's improved a lot. But before that, I think he looked, yeah, he looked like he couldn't, uh, couldn't frame his shots, you know, as Paul Bray <laughs> would say. Uh, he looked a bit <laughs> off the pace but he has yeah looked a lot better in the last what four games I think uh, his eight goals and maybe against Celia maybe going to kickstart a little bit um, but before that I think it was Alex you were tweeting out earlier in the season what's wrong with what's Grundahl uh, his his shooting percentages were just oh, he was he was just having these like two from nine one from ten games um, and it just wasn't working for mm-hmm. him Still twenty one. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, so you, you know, it's <laughs> to be as good. That's what I said. It's it's yeah. like DKM, DKM to, syndrome. Yeah, but he's he's had to step up and maybe wasn't just quite ready yeah. to to be the guy for them. So and and that's fine. He'll figure it out. As you said, they they let some huge players go, and I mean Dominic Mathe is another yeah. one. Remember they had last season. It's like uh, Mathe, Johansson, and Grundall uh, were like a different level to what they have now. And so that's why I, I spared them with the, from the F because I didn't actually expect much more than what they're producing at the moment. Um, but yeah, it feels like the the games against Kielsa showed what they're... That was the old Elvrum. He's not pushing these teams really to the limit and occasionally getting a result against them. And maybe they'll do it. They're playing second next. Maybe they'll do it against them. Who mm. knows? So... I went for an E. Alex, uh, Brian, you went for an F. Alex. Uh, D, actually. I don't know why I gave him a D. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I just wasn't, wasn't <laughs> expecting them much from them anyway. Um, so that was a, a bit of variation towards the end, which uh, we went from like, fully agreeing to having a bit of variation. Uh, but as I think you tipped at the beginning, Alex, it's like it's really divided into... Uh, like the really good achievers in Barca, Kielsa and Nantes and then the rest. Yeah. Okay, well, I have one last question for you boys before we finish up then. Out of pure enjoyment of this season so far, what's, what grade would you give it in terms of handball enjoyment as a neutral who doesn't support any of these teams? Hmm. I'd say a a B. Because there have been games, like a lot of games that have, have produced. There are teams like Celia, like Nantes, uh, even Alborg at times, Magdeburg, Gyogi, uh, who are just playing a, a really nice style of handball. doesn't always work for them, but they, they're playing exciting handball. Uh, but then the thing that draws it back for me a little bit is the top two in Group A, PSG and Vesprem, as per usual. Top two in Group B, Barca, Kielce. As per usual, the the big dogs are, are are making a bit more of a gap uh, when it comes to consistency over the rest. Mm. I'd give it a 
it's leaning towards B as well, but maybe even a B plus because actually what, yes, it's the top dogs on top, but, you know, every team still has a chance of going through. We don't see, you know, a team really languishing. Even Porto are, they're still in it. Mm. You know, that that still is up for grabs. There's that kind of middle ground to fight for as well. And I really, you know, a lot of people say that uh, the rankings and the, in the group stage don't matter. I, I disagree with that. You know, you're you know, th- there's a huge difference between finishing fourth and playing Magdeburg. So finishing fourth in group B and playing Magdeburg, or finishing third and playing Dinamo Bucharest. That's that's a huge difference. In and you know, those games build up. The the more difficult the games, you're just you're having to win many more games at the very top level to actually get to the final four and then win. So I do think um, the standings make a difference. And there's just like a lot open at the moment around those standings. They could really shift. So uh, that's why I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, unless you have teams like Kiel who are taking the piss and not not doing not to get the results they should and messing the whole thing up. <laughs> I probably I probably give it a B minus. I think. Had we had a few more results like Celia beating Kiel earlier on, a few more of those and some really crazy things in there made it push it up to an A. But I think it's been entertaining. But as you said, uh, Chris, the status quo is, has been kept in that regard. So nothing, nothing too crazy to push it up to an A. Well, another episode of the Handball Hour is done and dusted. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we have our grades in. You can check them on our graphics on our social media channels at Handball Hour if you want to get a closer look at them. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you very soon. Goodbye.